Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Dr. Amanda Atkins. Dr. Amanda is a board-certified internal medicine and lifestyle medicine physician. She's also a board-certified health and wellness coach. Dr. Amanda came to the cafe to discuss chronic disease, nutrition, and some of her health navigation recommendations. So hello, Dr. Atkins. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you so much for coming. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Nikita. I am Dr. Amanda Atkins, and I am a plant-based lifestyle physician and health coach. I love to educate women who are overweight to prevent and reverse chronic illnesses such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. Why did you pick women as your target audience? I picked women because it's my own health journey that inspired me to start the health and wellness coaching on the side of my actual physician practice. So I thought I would relate more to women and they would understand my story a bit more. Okay. Well, can you tell us what is an internal medicine physician and how does it differ from your general practitioner? Yes. So I get this question a lot because people are like, well, you seem like you do the same thing as a general practitioner. And so most time when people think of general practitioner, they think of family medicine. So I tell them the biggest difference between internal medicine and family medicine is that internal medicine sees adults only. So 18 year olds and up, whereas family medicine sees you from birth to whenever age you decide to die, unfortunately, like 100 years old. Mm -hmm. But we always take the adults. And then we're also trained more in chronic illnesses like high blood pressure, diabetes, kidney disease, things of the such, where people that as they get older and develop these illnesses, they want to see an internist because we have more training in that. And what appealed to you about internal medicine? Oh my gosh, because I loved helping people with diabetes and women's health and just endocrinology in general. And so it was like from internal medicine, you could pick so many different specialties to go into. So if you think of your cardiologist, like your GI doctor, the doctor that does the colonoscopies, or your cancer doctors, the hematologist, oncologist, and so many more that I'm not thinking of that you can you have to start in internal medicine, then you can branch out. So just to have that opportunity to learn all those different specialties in one was very appealing to me. Oh, very nice. And you said that your wellness journey in part inspired your decisions. Can you tell us a little bit more about your wellness journey? Yes. It started back when I was in high school, like 13 or 14 years old. And I don't know if people remember having to do the presidential physical fitness test, like in the early 90s, but we had to do that in our gym class. And as a part of that, we had to actually weigh ourselves and get our BMI. And so, you know, as a teenager, you know, you look in the mirror a lot. So you, I knew I was overweight, but didn't know necessarily how much I weighed. And I actually stepped on the scale and weighed 199 pounds as a 14-year-old. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is very eye-opening for me. And I vowed at that point, I wasn't going to let two be the first number of my weight. And so I was like, what can I do to lose weight? So that's the first thing I was thinking of, lose weight, not necessarily health or wellness. So I started to save my lunch money and just would eat at home. And then I would use that money to buy those different what do you call exercise gadgets. So with infomercials like the ab roller or the thigh, thigh master and just start to use those things. And I started to lose a little weight. 
And I was like, okay, this is working pretty good. But then at the age of 16, I decided to become a vegetarian. And people are always like, you know, what made you not want to eat meat at the time? I was like, I don't know. I was just trying to see what else I can do. I remember that day I decided to not eat meat anymore. I was looking to what I can cook in the house. And my mom hadn't been to the grocery store yet. And all we had was canned canned vegetables. So I was like, let me put together like some some peas and corn and see how that goes. And not knowing how long I would be in that phase, you know, some people go in and out. But from that day, I've never ate any meat. And then as I went through college and med school and residency, still stayed the same. But I tell people I was more of the junk food vegetarian. So my favorite food was like a Big Mac with no meat and French fries on the side. Um, and I told that story to one of my friends that that knew me growing up. And she was like, man, I remember you used to eat that. And I was always thinking like, what in the world is she doing eating a Big Mac with no meat? So I tell people that was the best sandwich I had as a vegetarian. But yeah, so then going through residency, then finished that and started actually in my medical practice. Um, we had to do what they call continual medical education courses. And I always wanted to go to Arizona at the time. I was in Indiana and then Tennessee. And I was like, oh, they have this nutrition course in in Arizona. Let me go to that and see, because I can see Arizona and do a business stuff on the side. And while I was there, one of the doctors that was speaking said, you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. You hear certain things that just kind of resonate with you and they stick with you. Because from that point, I was always like, okay, it doesn't matter necessarily what I eat or how much I was eating as long as I exercise and burn the calories off. But when he said that, I'm like, hmm, so maybe I'm not doing the best thing for my health. And then one of my patients actually told me about Dr. Joel Furman, and he was talking about eat to live, and he's very big in plant based nutrition. But I didn't think anything at the time to relate the two that was going on until people started asking me in my practice, what else can I do besides more medication? And I was like, hmm, well, you know, I've been looking into this healthier eating type thing. Let me see if that has anything. And I actually stumbled upon lifestyle medicine. I still cannot remember how and what I found it because it's a relatively new specialty where it actually focused on plant-based nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, social relationships, and making sure that you are not taking in toxic substances like tobacco and a lot of alcohol. But as I was going through my journey, I'm thinking, this is what I've been looking for my whole life because this is the whole package of what we should be doing to actually care for our health, not just for weight, but just for wellness overall. Uh, And so once I actually found this, I was just mesmerized. I'm like, I'm all in, I'm doing all these things. And now I have the, I think the charge to come out and tell more and more people about it, especially in the African-American community. That's wonderful. That's a great story. When you started changing your diet and buying all your exercise gadgets, did anyone else in your home get on board or were you alone in that? (laughs) No, I was pretty much alone in that. They were just like, oh, that's good. Because at that point in time, I decided I wanted to be a doctor at the age of 12. So I think they were just like, oh, she just wants to be healthy because she wants to go into the medical field. But it's not until, I guess, when I was in my 30s that I looked back and realized that my family was paying attention to what I was doing because they were always intrigued. And as I was losing weight and becoming healthier, 
And now that I'm out talking, because I was someone that was just like always in the back of the room, reading a book, very quiet. And they're like, oh my gosh, this has been her mission all along that they see. (laughs) And now more of them are actually asking questions. A few of my sisters are actually more, I say, plant predominant eating. They're not fully plant-based, except one, one is. But they just, they like see the journey and they're like, okay, I understand what you're doing now. And I tell people that my grandmothers actually definitely have inspired me to keep going. Unfortunately, they have passed away now, but they actually had these illnesses that I'm trying to now prevent for people. The diabetes, one of my grandmothers was on dialysis towards the end of her life, and both of them had strokes. And so kind of wish I had that story for them ahead of time. So now I'm trying to help more women, especially Black women, to know that it does not have to be that way. On that note, what are the myths and misconceptions that you think are important to dispel when it comes to chronic disease and nutrition? If I think about what I talk about with plant-based nutrition, a lot of people ask me, am I going to get all the nutrients that I need? So they always ask about protein, calcium, and iron. (laughs) So I'm like, of course, you will definitely get these that you need. You just have to make sure that you eat a well-balanced diet. And if we think about the standard American diet, we don't necessarily get all the nutrients that we should either. So I role play with them. Okay, what do you actually eat? And they may say, I have bacon and eggs in the morning and I may have a salad for lunch. If they depress me and say they eat healthy or they say they, you know, to a fast food restaurant and have something. And then maybe they say, oh, but I have baked chicken and broccoli. I'm like, you're not getting all the nutrients that you need in that type of diet either. So actually transitioning over to plant-based, we'll just have to be more aware of the types of foods and the variety of foods that you're eating. So you definitely can get enough protein, you can definitely get enough calcium, and you can definitely get enough iron. I would like people to know that. And that with related to chronic illnesses of how the top 10 causes of death in the U.S., seven of them are linked to nutrition. And there are those ones that we think about, like heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, COPD, end-stage renal disease, all those things are actually linked to nutrition. And if we actually start changing what we're eating, we can actually prevent, stall, or even reverse some of those illnesses. So it's not like once you have them, you're like, like stuck forever. And it doesn't have to be a chronic illness. It can be something that we actually reverse for you. and. Also, that your family history or your genetics is not 100%. So just because someone in your family had an illness does not necessarily mean that you will have an illness, but definitely can predispose you to the illness, which is why I always think of my family history when I'm on my own wellness journey. Because I'm like, I know by seeing everyone in my family that's passed away, what they actually died from, that if I stay on that track, I know I will actually end up where they ended up. And I'm trying to veer off that road. How long does it take, I guess, on average? And of course, I'm sure it differs for everybody to actually reverse one of these illnesses once you start to change your diet and your lifestyle. Yes. So that's a good question. It's different for everybody because one, it would depend on how long you've had the illness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the underlying illness is due to inflammation. And then it also depends on how, how, how critical the illness is and how much, I could say, like medication and things like that you're taking. So if you're a person that was newly diagnosed and your blood sugar, let's give that your diabetes, for example, is 
maybe a little bit out of control. So say hemoglobin A1C, which we'll talk about later when we talk about what you should know about your own illnesses, um, is like seven. That would be easier to reverse than someone that says that they have a hemoglobin A1C of like 10. And yeah. for my diabetics, you probably know what I'm talking about. That's your three-month blood sugar average. And it's usually, I would say, easier for someone with diabetes to reverse their illnesses with lifestyle changes than someone with high blood pressure. Because usually with high blood pressure, people don't know that they have high blood pressure. So it's more likely that they had it for a while. It's more likely inflammation. And you have to actually make changes for a longer period of time and I'll say more significant changes. A little bit different changes also to actually help see that. Now, if you have heart disease or kidney disease, then those are a little bit harder also. So it just takes time. But as you make the changes, you'll feel better probably before your numbers are all good, but it will keep you on that journey to actually get your numbers better. I think that sounds very encouraging. Yes. So I always try to tell people that so they, they're not thinking like we're on this journey, we're on the road, but just because you don't see complete reversal at like day 15 doesn't mean that it's not working. Okay. Think about it. You spent, you know, three, four, five decades of your life getting to this point, but it doesn't necessarily take that long to reverse it, but it's going to take more than a few days. I heard you mentioned the term inflammation. I think that's something that people hear more and more, but aren't really sure like what it is and where it comes from. Can you tell us a little bit about inflammation? Yes. So depending on what you eat or what your body may be under. So certain stressors can also cause inflammation. So a lot of people would say, oh, well, I'm stressed out. So that's why my blood sugar is high. Or there's some underlying mechanisms like biochemical mechanisms that definitely can influence that. When I'm talking about inflammation, I'm talking about the foods that we eat. So if we think about processed foods that are high in sugar, foods that are high in fat, foods that are high in salt, definitely cause damage to the arterial lining, which the first step is like it just your body becomes inflamed because it's like, oh, you know, I don't like this. They're like rubbing your hand up against the carpet or something like that. It has that friction. So it starts out with that inflammation before it builds up to building up like a plaque, which leads to high blood pressure, arthrosclerosis, which leads to heart disease. So it's, it starts with that inflammation. And then when we think of chronic illnesses, we think of like a low-grade inflammation. It's like there, but people may not actually feel it as much compared to if someone was, say, like in a car accident, then they were bruised up really bad. So that would be more of an acute inflammation to where it's like very high level, like your body is really reacting to actually care for yourself. So you actually want your body to become inflamed at certain times, like when you're in that car accident to repair, you just don't want to stay in that chronic low grade inflammation where it's just never repairs itself. It's just trying and it just never gets anywhere. So that's what we're trying to reverse that inflammation, that, that low grade inflammation with nutrition and lifestyle. Thank you. Are there any questions you wish patients would ask, but they often don't? I wish more people would ask, is there something else I got to do besides being on medication? I love when people ask me that question and I'm like, oh, well, matter of fact, there is. Because uh, for people that come to the doctor nowadays, they know that we have a very limited time in the exam room. And so it's, okay, you came in for this is what we're going to do. And do you have any questions? And I'm out of here, right? But when someone, at least for me, takes that extra step and says, so what else can I do for my own health? 
because not everyone is interested and you don't want to necessarily put your beliefs into someone else. But if they ask, then it's okay, let's take our time here because someone is really interested in their health. And I wish people knew that there were other things that you could do that will actually make you feel better and control your illnesses or reverse some of the illnesses besides just being on more and more medications. Because we don't want to be in our 80s with three pages of medications that you're bringing in saying, I'm on all these. We don't want, that's not going to be good for us. Oh, that's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that one. Can you please share an example where you saw a patient advocate for themselves and it made an a difference in their outcome and their care? Let me do this story, which is still kind of near and dear to my heart uh, because unfortunately he passed away not too long ago, but I would say his wife was more of an advocate for him. So I would say when I first started my new practice, the wife was on my schedule and they both came in and she was like, I know I'm on the schedule, but he needs to be seen now. There's something going on with him. And I took him to another doctor and they just said he probably had a viral illness but there's something else going on. And come to find out he had pancreatic cancer. And I would say that uh, because of that, we're able, because of her saying there's something else going on, please, can you look and see what else there there may be going on? And so I was like, okay, I hate to say that another doctor did not diagnose you correctly or just kind of blew you off. But when they handed me the papers, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, and they were telling, he was telling me what was going on. I was like, there's definitely something else going on. Let's look into this. So I didn't tell them immediately that I thought it was a cancer, but I was like, let's start the workup. And I think because she was so adamant for him to be seen that day, because I I can definitely say I was a bit irritated that they tried to change the schedule on me because I like to be prepared. But her knowing her husband and knowing that something was wrong, she was like, no, I need someone to look at that. And I think he lived another six years, which as likely he might not have lived another month if no one actually uh, did something different for him. And just to see their life, like every time they came in, like he would be so grateful, said, thank you so much for listening to me and my wife that something was going on. And because of you, we got the care. And they were able to go on like more trips together. And I'm going to tear up just thinking about it because once he actually did pass away, it was just like heartbreaking to see. But to know that he actually got to live a few more years with his family, definitely. And his wife is, she's still at it. I call her a firecracker because she was like out of it. Like, no, my husband's going to be seen today and you go help him. So just, I just love to see that because after that happened, and someone comes in for their family members, I always try to take my time and listen because they see more than we see. And so I would always tell someone, if you have a family member that's there to help you and care for you, you're definitely blessed because I also see the other side to where I'm like, is there anyone else that could help you? You definitely need that help. And they're like, no, it's just me. So Definitely, if you have a family member that's there that's advocating for you, don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, doc, that they're here again. No, that actually can possibly save your life. And you may actually turn the, return the favor and do that for someone else. So if you feel like there's something going on in one of your family members, definitely come to their doctor's appointment with them. Hear what the doctor says going on, because you may hear something that they don't necessarily hear. Or you may, uh, you know, point something out to the doctor that the patient may not actually tell them that may actually help diagnose them and get them treated correctly. That is a fantastic story. I really like that one. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love I love them. <laughs> in general, maybe in your current practice, or if you think throughout your entire medical career to this point, how frequently would you say it is that people actually come with someone or have an advocate? Is it more common than not? I would say in my practice, it may be like half and half. Okay. Sometimes I'm wondering, why do you have three people here? <laughs> But sometimes people come and like I said, there's other times where I see people that come time after time by themselves. And I'm like, do you live by yourself? How did you get here today? And they may say, oh, such and such is in the car or, well, I live with my daughter, but she has to work. And so I can't, she can't come or I don't want to burden my son because he has three kids of his own and stuff like that. So I would say it's like half. I get people that come in with them and some are just there to listen, just to support their family members. They don't sometimes say much. I think they're just there trying to get the information to help when they're at home. So that's always a good thing too, to, to, for someone else to hear what, like I said, you may not hear because I even tell people when I'm the patient, I'm just trying to hurry and get out the doctor's office myself. So I may not hear everything either. So it's always good to have someone else there to kind of listen that's maybe more relaxed because they're not necessarily on the spotlight. What do your top tips for navigating the healthcare system and not falling through the cracks? Knowing what's going on with your own health is number one. So if your doctor tells you that they're going to send you to a specialist or if they think you need some type of procedure, you would definitely want to be writing these things down. I have some people that are wonderful. They have like a whole binder of stuff. Like they can tell you what went on back when they were 20 years old, and they're 80. But, but you can like keep up with that because there's no way one doctor is going to know everything about your health. So it's your responsibility to know everything about your health. And it's just that you would actually let them know what's going on. So that would be number one. And you want to follow up with those things. Because I so many times I will have patients come in. I'm like, okay. So last time I sent in a referral to like cardiology, you were supposed to get this done. Did you ever see them? Because I don't see an appointment here. Oh, I don't think they ever called me. Well, you know, I can say too, this, this is why I went into adult medicine because as an adult, I would expect that you would follow up on that. Now, it is some on us also. We're definitely working with the referral system of how to get that follow-up to make sure that it carries all the way through. Like I said, this is your health. You don't want someone playing with that. You get one body, so you definitely want to make sure that you know what's going on, who to contact. So now I try to give the patients the actual phone number of someone in that department so if they don't hear back within a certain time frame, to go ahead and call them to get scheduled. So um, that would be definitely the number one tip. That was a long tip. but And then also know what your insurance company, if you have insurance, what they actually cover ahead of time. So you want to know like certain tests and things like that they may not cover. And then also realize that your insurance company is not obligated to pay for every test that is necessary. I have a lot of people that come in saying, well, if my insurance isn't covered, I don't want it. And I'm like, but it's still good for your health. I know especially here in the U.S., we think that the insurance company should cover everything. But if we think about any other type of insurance that we have besides health insurance, it doesn't cover any anything unless something bad happens. Like think of your car insurance. It does not cover the maintenance. It only covers during an accident. Life insurance, of course, only covers when you actually unfortunately pass away. Homeowner's insurance only covers if something bad happens to your home. It doesn't. It's not like just, oh, a pipe broke and now you have to fix it. It may do other things. So Definitely know what your insurance covers and be prepared to 
possibly have to pay for something that they may not cover. But if you start to make lifestyle changes, you may not need as many procedures and medications as the insurance company will not cover. Mm -hmm. And then I also would say definitely know all the medications that you're taking and why you're taking them. That's another big thing because I have new patients that come in all the time and they may have a list of medications, but they don't know why they're on them. And I tell people that I know what medications are for, but some medications are used for multiple things, number one. And then you never want to put something in your body that you don't know why you're taking it and what the side effects would be. So again, that's for your own benefit. You want to definitely know what you're putting in your body and why. I think those would be the main things that when people come to me that they talk about. Nice. Any recommendations for how to improve communication with your provider? Yes. One, again, you want to know what, what is going on in your own body and also take notes and have questions ready for them when you come into the office, because that makes it so much better when you're there. Now, I'm not saying come in with a list of 10 questions, (laughs) but questions that you may have that maybe something didn't get done, or you're feeling a certain way, or if your family member had a question, come in with a list of questions, because that usually helps kind of navigate the appointment a little bit better than if you try to wait all the way to the end, and then the doctor's like, okay, I got to go. But you're like, oh, but I had, you know, five questions to ask you. Or also nowadays they have the electronic medical record where you can actually send email messages to your provider. So I always tell people that you can do that in between. So if you feel like you had questions, but you couldn't remember them at the time, for some reason, you can always send a portal message and give the provider or the physician time to actually answer those. But that would be a good thing. And then have someone with you that can uh, like speak up for you and say things that if you feel too intimidated to actually say something and to know that your doctor is there to help you and not to just dictate to you. Because sometimes people come in and say that, oh, you know, um, I'm nervous. I don't know what to say or anything like that. But I was like, I'm here to help you. So you run this and then, you know, tell me, you know, what you think. I make recommendations and you say yay or nay. So Mm -hmm. that's where we go. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you think is important when it comes to thinking about chronic disease and nutrition? Well, I always want to tell people to make sure they're eating more fruits and vegetables. So if you can add more fruits and vegetables to every meal, even if you don't go entirely plant-based, that just moving away from the standard American diet, which is a lot of fast food, high sugar, high salt, high fat foods, and eating more fruits and vegetables, you're well on your way to helping reverse some of these chronic illnesses that are going on in our country. You mentioned earlier, you were talking about how you just love it when a patient might ask you, well, is there anything that I can do beside medication? How do patients typically respond when you say, well, you know, have you considered changing your diet? Have you considered maybe less meat? Are they like, (laughs) (laughs) so they kind of like, um, oh, you mean I had to become a vegetarian or a vegan? And I was like, well, you know, something like that. Yeah, let's talk about that. And so they're like, oh, you know, doc, I don't know. They're like, I may be able to cut this out. That's usually the thing. I may be able to do that. And so then I just kind of put it back on them. So you want your diabetes better. You don't want me to add in more medication, but you want to continue to eat bacon. So which one are we going to (laughs) pick? So sometimes it takes several conversations for people to get that, okay, what I'm doing actually makes a difference. And it always makes me feel so proud when people come back and like, 
yeah, you know, I knew I was coming in to see you. So I had to make sure I started eating more vegetables before I came in. <laughs> I knew you was going to ask me about it. That's what I want you to be thinking about when you when you're eating. Oh, what Dr. Amanda going to say about this? That's you're going to tell me I should be eating this. So I like to just at least plant that seed. And some people are like all in. They're like, oh, man, I've been hearing about plant based. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. So I'm always surprised when people already know about it. And uh, of course, dive in and just continue to give them that encouragement that they can do it and it will definitely help. Because a lot of people are often concerned about protein, but I've been reading online that it's almost impossible to not get enough protein in your diet. It's it everywhere. is. <laughs> it is. It's almost impossible. That's right. Like yeah. the, when this earth was made with all the garden and everything like that, our creator knew what our body needed. So it didn't leave that out for us. It was yeah, I don't know why everyone's so panicked about that one particular. <laughs> I think it's the, it's the marketing of the meat companies. Yeah. They want you to think, where's the beef? You know, those were the commercials <laughs> when true. I was growing up. So they just pounded that hard into us because I asked people like, why do you think that's the case? Well, because that's what they say. Who is they? <laughs> Who is they indeed? As we wind down, Dr. Amanda, do you have any closing thoughts? I would just say be curious, be open, knowing that there is something out there that if you want, if you have a chronic illness, that it's not impossible, that it can be changed without medication. It just takes a little bit more effort on your part and that they know that there are doctors out there that are willing to help and serve you. So just be open and curious. Thank you so much for coming to the Good Health Cafe today, Dr. Amanda. It was a pleasure to have you. And of course, your website will be included so everyone can go learn more about you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking to you today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Didn't you just love that story she shared about how the wife advocated for her husband? I did. It gets to the very root of why I created the Good Health Cafe in the first place. The healthcare system as it's currently structured is not a place to be timid. We are literally dealing with life and death, so don't be afraid to push until someone listens. Some key takeaways from Dr. Amanda were, reversing an illness is easier if it's caught early and lifestyle changes are made, the standard American diet doesn't provide all necessary nutrients, and changing one's diet can prevent, stall, or even reverse some chronic illnesses. Nutrition can help reverse low-grade inflammation. Consider asking what else can you do besides more medication. It is super important to keep track of your health information. And to make the most out of a doctor's appointment, it's important to be prepared with questions and have someone accompany you if needed. An advocating family member can possibly save your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with a friend, leave a review on Apple or Spotify, or write to us to let us know your thoughts. More information and the ability to join our mailing list can be found on our website, www.thegoodhealthcafe.com or via our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn with the handle at The Good Health Cafe. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye!